rip. Eight very special innings for Newcomb. So it's Newcomb versus Chris Taylor. Everybody on their feet at SunTrust Park. Dodgers know exactly what's going on. They're trying everything they can to battle to try to put the ball in play and break this up and spoil it. Another 2-2. It's a base hit. So Chris Taylor on a 2-2 count with a clean single pass to diving Johan Camargo. Spoils the no-hit bit of Sean Newcomb. And that'll be the end of the line. What a day for the Braves' young left-hander. Sean Newcomb comes just one out shy of tossing the first Braves no-hitter since 1994. What the hell is that? What would you say you do here? It's Stone's Weekly Dose. Because I'm kind of an idiot. I'm a dumb guy. Brian, you don't have to keep trying so hard to impress me. I already really like you. Your midweek download destination. I told you about Brian. I told you. Come on, man. Brian was just making a joke. I'm so lucky to have met you, Brian. You're such an amazing guy. It's Stone's Weekly Dose. And note to self, don't go behind the other board members back and go against everything you've worked for for 10 years and created an organically amazing experience just for selfish and personal gains. Oh, wait, I'm so sorry. Freudian slip. I meant don't die. Oh, geez. What was I thinking about? I meant don't die. Welcome into the August 2nd edition of the Stone on Air podcast. It is election day, but that's very little what we'll be talking about today. The direction of the show has changed. Usually when that happens, that means something is worth discussing. This is normally a Wednesday download if you are a new listener. It's every Wednesday. Occasionally it might get pushed off into a Thursday. I'm a one-man band. I'm the producer. I'm the host. I'm the editor. I'm the director. I'm the receptionist. I'm the talent agency. I'm the janitor. (laughs) So... Sometimes I run out of time to get everything done, but generally speaking, it is a Wednesday download, but all the way around a midweek, once-a-week show for your listening pleasure, at least that's the idea. A supposed for-profit venture that is now in the neighborhood of almost two years as a standalone podcast. It started as a radio show, as a music show, and coming from years of background in radio to now a standalone podcast of what has just turned into my dis- thoughts and discussions and uh, and overall views of the passing parade. Before we get started, again, with the mix-up of the show here, what I'm going to do here, this is not going to sound exactly so you know what it is, so I'll tell you. I'm popping the top on this Coca-Cola, a Mexican Coke, as a matter of fact. Can you hear that? Oh, shit, almost overflowed. And I'm going to pour that in that cup. And I'm going to explain why that is somewhat significant other than the fact that it's product placement for a still unsponsored segment. So just put that in a pin, a pin in that. We'll come back to that. I was going to do a Stone's Throw show, uh, segment, which is me just complaining about things. I'm not going to do that now. I'm just going to tell you what the gist of that was. On the front end, you heard some grainy audio that was from the Weezer show in Nashville over the weekend. It was awesome. And that was Rivers, the lead singer, singing right in front of us, or most of it was, was the crowd singing um, when he brings out this little... Island, for a ba- lack of a better way of putting it, out in the middle of the crowd to sing Island in the Sun and then take on me in that case. And it was awesome. And then I stayed into Sunday and drank all day and watched the Braves come within one out of the first no-hitter since 94, but that wasn't even a real no-hitter. That was a combined no-hitter that didn't count. I just want to see one no-hitter in my life. Sean Newcomb went eight and two-thirds and uh, didn't get it. So there you go. That was a just, and, and the, the I-24 is a disaster, and those overhead signs that tri- are supposedly supposed to tell you what the traffic is all about while you're stuck in it didn't say a damn word. There you go. There was Stone's Throw. Let's take a swallow of Coke here real quick. Ah, that's good stuff. All right, so in the show today, three segments. The final segment, I'm going to tell you who I'm voting for. Today is Election Day. By the time you hear this, Election Day will likely be over. You should always vote. If you don't, I'm not mad at you because I don't always vote, but we always should. So I'm going to tell you who I'm going to vote for in the final segment. That'll be pretty much short and sweet. In the second segment, I'm going to talk about Terrell Owens. Uh, In the last 
two years, I've had three, I will now after this weekend, have three of my favorites, or at least in the ballpark of my favorites, from sports and music and entertainment, go into rock and roll or music or baseball hall of fames and, or football. And one thing is it makes you reflect on how old you're getting. And I know I've still got a long way to go, but um, I think it's just really cool that he's going to be here in Chattanooga this weekend on Saturday, August 4th. I got a whole segment dedicated to that. Now, I put these first others back in segments together before all this mess came down with the Chattanooga Football Club, which I'm about to document starting going back in time to July 27th. That is a Friday, and that was when I'm not in. I'm not at left Chattanooga yet, but I leave first thing. Saturday morning, and so I catch wind of the things that are coming down through social media that Saturday morning and into Saturday afternoon as really all I'm focused in is hanging out with friends, eating and drinking, and having a big time in Nashville. I already laid out Sunday, drank all day and watched baseball. Monday, I was a uh, hungover mess, as you would probably guess, and then just back into the grind of things of Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday, and this story is kind of unfiltered throughout that time frame. This is being recorded on late on a Wednesday night the 1st of August. So that's where you know I am right now. I'm going to start on July 27th and go with the way it all unfolded with the new Chattanooga Pro Soccer League coming to town. So we'll start on July 27th at 5.39. The Chattahooligans posted on, I don't know if this was Twitter or Facebook, it was probably both. We were caught more than a bit by surprise today, so a formal statement may come later. But the Chattahooligans are the proud independent supporters of the Chattanooga Football Club, period. We want to express our deepest gratitude to Sean and the entire McDaniel family for their endless champion of soccer in Chattanooga over the decades, and especially for this gift that is the club we all love, Chattanooga FC. We are not informed regarding any of the stories today, but we have reached out to all the parties with a request to talk about navigating the tricky days ahead with the goal of a unified path forward. That is Friday, July 27th. July 28th. Combined stories here from the Chattanooga Times Free Press and Nuga.com. CFC GM resigns amid reports of Utah investors' interest in bringing new soccer team to Chattanooga. CFC general manager Sean McDaniel resigned amid exactly what I just said in the headline. The Chattanooga Times Free, Free Press reported that CFC board member Bill Nuttall also resigned and could be part of the new USL team. Now, Bill Nuttall, who I've never met, was instrumental in bringing the men's and women's teams here over the last couple of years first the women right after they won the world cup wasn't it the world cup i forget these things and then the men uh shortly a year or two after that if i'm not mistaken and and, and some of you that are more in-depth into the soccer community you might hear me misspeak a little bit feel free to call me out on it by no means no means whatsoever do i feel like i'm any kind of expert on this sport i have not spent any amount of time caring about soccer my entire life except for the last five years it was, it was 13 and 14 when I first started going. 13, just like riding over on my bike from work or walking over from work and just saying, the hell is all this about? Uh, 14, when I started to realize this is kind of fun. 15, they started, you know, they were really, really good. Started catching on to the winning. 16, 17, 18, and so on and so forth. So i become a much more bigger fan than I've ever been of soccer, but still a very novice at, uh, at best. So forgive me for any of uh, slight errors I have or for major errors that I have. We'll fast forward in the next day, July, I want to say 29th. Is that right? Yes, July 29th. This is from Pro Soccer Talk, a division of NBC Sports. Chattanooga FC ready to face challenge from USL D3. The next battleground for the future of lower division American soccer was identified Friday night, and it's located along the Tennessee River. Chattanooga FC is an undisputed success for the lower-level soccer. The 10th-year National Premier Soccer League club is a four-time league finalist, seven-time conference champion. Sean McDaniel had no comment other than to tell Pro Soccer Talk that he'll release a statement later in the week. That's the GM that resigned amid the USLD3 team uh, franchise purchase on this the, the prior Friday. Chattanooga chairman Tim Kelly said that McDaniel and Nuttall occasionally butted heads with the rest of the club. There were, quote, serious philosophical differences between the parties, but left no hints that anything major was on the horizon. Quote, there was nothing other than we knew the philosophical riff existed, Tim Kelly said. We certainly feel betrayed, but we're relieved to not have the rift. Bounce around here just a little bit. Uh, let's see, this is also from Tim. Quote, we're big fans of the notion of an open system and promotion relegation, and I'm deeply believe that the franchise system is what's fundamentally wrong with American soccer. 
He goes on to say, we're not going to sacrifice our principles for personal gain. I put a big red marker here. It says, come back to this. So I will get back to the franchise model and a promotion relegation here in a minute. McDaniel also served on the National Premier Soccer League board and submitted his resignation on Thursday night. NPSL chairman Joe Barone spoke with Pro Soccer Talk and said McDaniel had been less active in league matters in recent months without informing anyone on the board of any reason for his absence. I'll read that again. The chairman of the NPSL board said that McDaniel had been less active in league matters in recent months without informing anyone on the board any reason for his absence. Last one from Pro uh, from Pro Soccer Talk, a division of NBC Sports. Assuming the reports are true, it's puzzling. It's a puzzling fight for the USL D3 to pick as it launches for 2019. As the second-tier USLC success for many of its clubs and continues prolific expansion, trying to start a third-division club in a market with a decade-old fourth-division club is a head-scratcher unless it is possible to cherry-pick CFC and drop it into its first season, basically meaning coming in, taking over the team, merging and becoming this professional team. This is just over-the-weekend speculation from a blogger, but it is a, a, a sanctioned blog from NBC Sports. This from the Chattanooga Times Free Press, a quote from Tim Kelly referring to what I said I'd come back to the promotion relegation and the franchise model. It says He says, it's not sustainable business model we don't feel. We're not going to make a move like that just to say that we're a pro team. And that gets me more to social media stuff as that kind of gets you the nuts and bolts of the of the media reports over the course of the first three days of this. And so what the MPSL is, is a, what will just for lack of a better way put it, an amateur, a semi-pro league. There is some kind of compensation, meaning travel, uh, lodging, maybe some kind of per diem of some sort, but there's no real uh, yearly salary. It is it is very much an amateur level, and it's it, 21-year-old, 18, 19, 20, 21, 22-year-old kids in and out of college, in between jobs, things like that, uh, college uh, high school football, uh, soccer coaches, things like that. This franchise model from the USL D3 is the same concept as minor league baseball farm systems, which for major league baseball works just fine because they've spent 50, 60 years crafting the way that their their le- level of ball is played, and it at their very top of level is the highest level in all of the world. And they've built almost this novelty kind of aspect underneath it as this just like gimmicky thing to train and condition and uh, and 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 experience their players to get them better and get them into the major leagues. Well, that's what soccer's trying to do in a lot of different levels here, except they don't have that built-in novelty. They have a, a true fan base that understands promotion relegation, which is very common, if not completely exclusive, in European leagues, where your teams move to different levels as the team as, as a whole gets better and and promotion relegation to your next level. You fall you fall apart, you're not any good, your team uh, starts to lose, you fall down, that kind of thing. That doesn't work here because we won't allow it to. We won't allow it to because it doesn't it doesn't we're not able to what's a better what's the way I'm trying to put this? We're not we're American capitalistic sports world has control of all the money all the players and how it, it it functions. And if you leave a team up to its own devices to become really good or really bad without complete regulation, somehow in their minds that doesn't work. And again, I, I apologize for for explaining this poorly because it's something that I'm still so uh, uh, new to as an overall concept. The more I read about it, the more I hear about it, the more I'm interested by it. I implore you to look into, just do some Google searches and read about European levels of soccer and how they how they promote and how they demote and how their leagues thrive and and look at how it doesn't work here. And it's because it's a sport that we took from other areas of the world and tried to turn it into an Americanized sport, and it just doesn't quite work that way, or at least many at the top don't think so. Now, potentially many at the near top of the board of the CFC, and in particular maybe people involved with stadium management, did think it was a better idea and do think they can make more money in the franchise system. That's what it sounds like we have here. I'll get back to more of that here in just a minute. So let's shift gears to some of the social media posting that's been picking up in the last day or or so. So the official handle for Chattanooga Pro Soccer is at Chattanooga 
S-O-C-C, which is a poor Twitter handle if you're asking me. But nobody did. Professional soccer is coming soon to Chattanooga with a link to the details. Hashtag USLD3. Hashtag pro soccer. Then it just starts flooding in. The, the countless flipping the birds, all the memes, all the screw you buddies. You know, eat S, blank off. And you can just imagine where it goes from there. Dustin says you're wasting your money. Hashtag stand with Chatta. At N-G-S-I-L-Y says, hey, advertisers, did you know that Chattanooga FC is a well-established and trustworthy brand that has record attendance for its league at over 18K? Spending your money on this scheme is against your best interest. Andrew says, this is what we think of you with a bird flip emoji. It's time for independent clubs and hashtag pro-rel for USA promotion relegation and earn your merit. Hashtag stand with Chatta. You're one of the problems with soccer in this country. Holding down, crushing the competition with your closed system. Nick says, finally, I have a place to direct my hatred. You will fail. We already have a team making a lasting impression in our community. Go back to Utah. Pearson Football says, as a longtime USL fan, this is a fan of the league, USL, and a follower of American soccer since 1996, I say with conviction and forcefulness, get bent and get out of my state. Hashtag stand with Chatta. At Sakzu says, this reminds me of new Co- the new Coke announcement. At Kilted Ken, so you're using existing relationships from Chattanooga FC when your spineless hack of a board member sold his soul to start this club? Doesn't guarantee success. Chatta already has a team, and its fans think your backstabbing is disgusting. So does the rest of the soccer community. I don't know if that's true, but that's kind of where I'm coming from. So you're using existing relationships from CFC when your spineless hack of a board member sold his soul to start the club. Chad already has a team, and its fans think your backstabbing is disgusting. At NGS Hog says, piss off, carpet-backing wankers. I got plenty more, some from Facebook, more from Twitter. I might get to here in a minute, depending on how long this goes and how boring I think I might be getting. This is not boring, however. This I dug off of Tim Kelly's Facebook page, I, my eyes were crossed. I was digging through so many Twitter feeds and Twitter threads and uh, and mentions and at this and this, that, and F this and everything else. So I went to the Facebook pages were primarily the NBC Sports Pro Soccer Talk uh, piece where I originally saw Tim post that. Most of this conversation in that thread came from the posting of that specific post. This was copied and pasted directly off of Facebook and put onto paper. These are word-for-word conversations had on Tim Kelly's Facebook page. Uh, Heather says, I'd love the short version of what's happening. I don't really understand what I've read. And I think a lot of people are that same way initially. And I don't know how far back this goes. You're probably listening to this in the early uh, portions of the, the end of the first week of August. My guess is, is this thread started at the beginning of the final week of July, probably like Monday the 30th, maybe the 31st, could be as early as Sunday the 29th, just to give you a timeline on that. So, Heather, I'd love to have the short version of what's happening. I don't really understand what I've read. Tim Kelly, I will try. Outside investor from Utah bought the rights to Chattanooga from a franchise league, the USL, that we passed on as a bad business proposition and is planning to just put another team here on top of CFC. Two of our board members resigned abruptly and appear to be in cahoots with them. Nelson asked, would they be able to play at Finley? Tim responds to Nelson, it would appear they're attempting to secure a contract with Finley behind our backs, despite the fact that CFC is the entity that's put Finley in the black over the last 10 years. Very dirty pool. Brian comes in and says, Brian Rook, as a matter of fact, wow, oh wow. This is a lot to process. It's difficult to even formulate how to respond. It's emotional. NPSL is deeply flawed. From the amount of teams to the length of season to the referees to the, to the competitive disadvantage related to the bigger clubs. I'm surprised CFC hasn't left the NPSL. Wishing all parties the best. Tim responds, We'd have left for the USL D3 already if we thought that it was a sustainable path that would allow us to stay true to our principles. It is not. We're working on NPSL Pro feverishly, but even staying in the NPSL, as flawed as it is, would be better than the current alternatives. 
It's sad that the U.S. soccer landscape is this messed up, and I'm hanging that on U.S. soccer. But we're always going to do what's best for the long-term interests of the club, not what enriches one of us at the expense of others and our principles. Then there's a handful of, uh, basically, can you expand on that a little bit more towards Tim? Tim Kelly from his Facebook page said, we would have chosen USLD3 if we thought it made sense. One, it doesn't exist yet. Two, it would add $1 million in overhead, which would be reflected in higher ticket prices. Three, the quality of the soccer would be poor because of the cap on foreign players. I could keep going, but I won't. And that's not even getting into the way this all came down. Meaning this was way more than just somebody decided to do a different thing. Okay, so where does that put us at right now? I'm going to get a little bit uh, commentary here for the next few. I might go back to some more of these Facebook messages. I have a whole lot of them. Comments, threads, Twitter, and all that. But a little commentary. So here's what all I can tell from an outsider looking in who doesn't know much more than anything anybody else can read. Other than I do know a lot of people involved here my relationship has been incredible with the CFC, and that's part of the reason why I become such a soccer fan. Nobody said anything to me that, again, that you probably couldn't have figured out on your own, but there is a lot of, uh, I didn't say yes, but my head is nodding. <laughs> I didn't say no, but my head is shaking, if you know what I mean. So this new league comes in, and then all of a sudden we have two abrupt resignations. Well, all you got to do is have ears and a brain that somewhat functions and realize that looks um, a little bit suspicious, if nothing else. There has been a rift between management of the stadium and the team. I know that for a fact. I'm not going to give any specifics as to why I know that, but I do know that. And keep in mind, I, I do want to tread lightly because the people who run the stadium are just as near and dear to me to that south side property and the things that go on on that side of the town as that soccer team is. And they're two different entities and two different working partnerships. And I'm not a partner on any of it, but you know what I'm saying? They're, they're people that I engage with in extracurricular activities in this city on a regular basis in their own, in their own settings. And then at times as a combined setting. So I don't want, I don't want to ruin relationships because I don't really know who's in the right or wrong here, but it sounds to me like there's a handful of people in this board, this organization, this partnership, these people that run the stadium, that run the club. And I know a lot of them, but not nearly all of them. But it sounds like there's a handful on one side, and I think that comes from the Tim Kelly camp. Actually, I don't think I know. And Sheldon Grizzles and people like that, which I don't know, Sheldon, but I've heard all about him. These soccer purists that wanted to do something similar to the international game. As time went on and the partnerships grew and the more people you brought in with business interest and money interest had the more Americanized view. Of the franchises. We love franchises in, in America. That's what we love to do. Buy a McDonald's. Buy a baseball team. Buy a gas station. Right? This is not the same thing as that, but it's in the same ballpark. It sounds to me there's there's a certain segment that's, that is not happy with the, the traditional, purist, European way and want to go what, what more businessmen, American businessmen are used to that shows dollar signs. Right? Spreadsheets. Numbers guys. And worried about the levels of soccer, where the players do or don't go, and how they flow in and out, feeder leagues and all that. They're looking at dollar signs. They're looking at numbers. And that's what American businessman should do. And it sounds like the two of those came to a head. Whoever exactly was on which side, I can't tell you. All I can tell you for sure is two of them, Nuttall and McDaniel, resign the minute this information becomes public. Also, with McDan McDaniels being on the board of the NPL's overall league immediately re resigning and with the president saying has been absent for months leading up to this. What does that tell you, right? You don't have to be an investigative reporter. The stadium has been struggling to make money for 20 years leading up until the last handful of years. I will just go back on this and Tim, the first few years, CFC didn't do anything for, for, uh, for, for the stadium other than just give it something to do. Mox football was getting better, and they had a bump from that. There's been more interactions where they were doing; they were getting closer to breaking even once the city pulled the money out that they gave them every year in the sixty, seventy-five thousand dollar range, whatever it was, five, six, seven years ago. 
and there was a variety of reasons, and part of that is how you move the money around as to why the stadium was doing better. Now, going back to Tim's point that he is right on, is that the second half of this 10-year stretch has definitely been a major bump for this stadium from top to bottom, and probably starting around 2014, so about five years in. Probably around five years in, 14 and certainly into 15 when they made the run to the championship. That was a big boost. Takes a while when you've been in the red for so long to get back. So Philly Stadium's not over there exploding with money. All right? They're not printing money in the basement. That stadium's got a lot of wear and tear on it. It needs a lot of work. There's a lot of things that are held together with duct tape. I mean, it, it, they're, they're, we're not talking about people making crazy amounts of money with this league and this stadium. We're talking about people who are running an efficient business based on the standards and the uh, and the league regulations and all you know all the the things that go along with the agreements. Where they're at right now, they're at a solid little spot, and that's overall my opinion. I don't have facts and numbers to back that up, but I believe that to be true. I see stadium management and portions of the board of directors of the CFC seeing this opportunity to move up. Yeah, you go up a million dollars in overall overhead, but maybe, again, bottom line, guys, that can break down the numbers. Hey, a million plus here? Well, I just made you a million five over here. Ticket prices go to here. And I'm not mad about ticket prices. This isn't about that. They harp on that because Chattanoogans hate to pay a buck more than they have to for anything. I don't care about ticket prices. I don't care about paying to park. I don't care about that kind of stuff because if you have a good product that works, people will pay to come there. But will this be a good product that works? Will this Chattanooga pro soccer team, one level up from where we were at, where the prices do go up, it might be a poor, lessened product on the field. Will that be the effective numbers that they're being shown on paper? You know, There's a lot of conjecture here I'm giving you. Right. Make sure you keep we understand this host of this podcast, a listener of it. A lot of conjecture here. I, I don't believe by any stretch of the imagination that anybody has done anything illegal at all, unethical, immoral, depending on how you define those words and use them in your life. Businessly unethical. Uh, you'd have a hard time arguing that that's that that's not happening right now. And you basically heard Tim Kelly say it on his on his Facebook page. Now, some of that might have been emotionally based and just kind of banging out on a keyboard because he couldn't stop himself. But this is not a good look for the people involved in this unless you somehow hit a home run, unless you somehow come to terms with everybody involved and package it together. Most of the people standing out in that stadium don't know anything about promotion relegation, don't care about how the game's played in Europe. Half of them are there just to get drunk and have a good time and be seen. It's a social setting. Chattanooga is a trendy-ass town. We want to do whatever's cool, and then when it's not cool, we go do something else and find out what it's cool. And right now, young people think this is cool. Hey, I'm on the trendy board, too. I think it's cool. I enjoy it. I don't really care if it's franchise mode or promotion relegation so i'm not taking sides on tim or anybody who would be on the other side which clearly seems to be bill nuttall and 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 mcdaniel so i'm not on sides but i do i do frown upon people who treat other people incredibly unethically and poorly morally bankrupt people no matter where you're coming from eh, generally tends to rub me the wrong way and while some people might get over it because, you know, when they have a bad feeling because we have attention spans of, I got my finger and thumb uh, one inch apart from each other, attention spans that are that small, if somehow this works, people are going to forget about that. I don't, I don't know. As I was talking back and forth with, the, with somebody who I know is more in the know than anybody uh, who's not on the inside and an overall soccer guy in Chattanooga and very, very uh, in-depth understanding of the leagues and the game, I was like, this is bold, man. This is a daring move by the people who are involved, If which clearly it's got McDaniel and Nuttall fingerprints on it somewhere. There are other people within the Chattanooga Board of Directors of CFC and the stadium who are clearly also involved with this. I happen to run by the, um, again, I'm not going to do any more names other than the ones that are already in the media reports, but I was looking at the Facebook page for Chattanooga Pro Soccer and it was brand new. They just started it because they did the whole media, social media push out uh, yesterday as well on the 1st of August. And there was only like uh, 20 likes by that point because it was brand new. And it had four. You know, it tells you who your common friends are. Four likes. And I got tons of people on Facebook. I don't know who they are. There was only one that I really knew and knew well. 
and one of them is uh, a prominent member of Finley Stadium. So I don't know what to say more than that other than, man, this is bold. This is a big-time move by the people that are involved. It is a power play move, and I just I just don't know what to say much more going forward than that. As I'll wrap this segment up here in just a few minutes, I did get this uh, sent over to me by my buddy Nate. Um, to give me the official press release, press release which was uh, released on August 1st that evening. We are pleased that Chattanooga's FC success has drawn national attention to our city, and we remain committed to keeping Chattanooga FC as Chattanooga's homegrown team. Our club was founded for Chattanoogans by Chattanoogans, and after 10 years, we are dedicated to growing Chattanooga FC in a fiscally responsible manner from the grassroots up. Professional soccer has eyed our incredible support in Chattanooga and now wants to enter our market. Chattanooga FC has grown organically, built a solid fan base, introduced the sport to kids and adults alike, helped launch a women's team, and hosted national teams from around the world. Chattanooga FC embodies the quote-unquote Chattanooga way, where we bring the community together who share our values to make the city a better place. Our board is already working on plans for the 2019 season, and we look forward to strengthening our bonds throughout the community during this offseason. We'll be making additional statements in the coming days and uh so there you go i won't read any more of these any of these stupid uh well some of them aren't stupid that's why i printed them off but these responses uh, some of them are some of them are make very good points some of them are a little bit more um uh juvenile and just emotionally enraged i think we've done enough here to get across what's going on um you don't have to be sherlock holmes to understand that something's going on in a backroom deal there's a uh, there's whispers there's um, there's backstabbing potentially and betrayal involved in this and sometimes you know what y'all uber capitalist types that's kind of how this stuff goes you find yourself a good deal and you follow the money and if this works and they can make money doing it well then hell I guess we should all be happy right well no not so much actually sometimes those are the things the 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 the, the it's great until it's not moments. Of capitalism. I'm not a socialist. I'm not a socialist. I might be close. <laughs> not completely. Uh, but th- those are the kinds of things you just really think, man, that sucks. But really, it is it that is it that bad in the end? Somebody found a way to make more money and bring a more prominent thing to town? Time will tell. I'm just being devil's advocate on that one. I'm just thinking and, and asking questions from both sides out loud. This is Elvis Costello. What's so funny about peace, love, and understanding? You'll hear stuff like this on Alt 98.7 every day. I'm there 3 to 7, hanging out with you on your drive home. Uh, So check it out on your way home any given day. I'd appreciate that. And, uh, yeah, peace, love, and understanding. Man, such a a foreign concept where we're at these days. All right, that was a a long first segment. I'm going to keep the next one tight. T.O., get your popcorn ready. My man, Terrell Owens, UTC wide receiver from 1990, what was it, 4, 5, and 6, 1994 to 1996, also played basketball here, and he's one of the greatest receivers in the history of the NFL, and he's going to be making his Hall of Fame announcement speech at the UTC Arena inexplicably this Saturday, and I'm excited as hell about it because I love this guy, even though he's a complete psycho, borderlining mental illness. We'll get into that next, and in the final segment, I'll tell you who I'm going to vote for in the August 2nd election. And if you haven't voted this go-around and you're not registered, get registered and vote the next time. It's no big deal. It's all good. Let's get registered and do it the next time, all right? We'll be right back. This is a Stone On Air podcast, at Stone On Air, on all social media, all things Chattanooga, keeping the fingers on the pulse of things going on. Do it here every week, your weekly download destination. This is the Weekly Dose for August 2nd, 2018, and I will be right back. Now back to more Stone on Air. That's exactly what I wanted to hear. Stoneonair.com. Good morning. Top of the morning to you. Look, mama, they got these cameras on me again. They got these cameras on me again, mama. Time to shine. Yeah, time to shine, baby. Power you, I hang out with me too. All I want to know if you got your popcorn ready. Do you got your popcorn ready? 
Just get some popcorn ready. How in the world are you gonna stop Ocho Cinco? How in the world are you gonna stop Gio? How in the world are you gonna stop this dude? Just get some popcorn ready. Welcome back into the show. Back in 2000, maybe 12, the big trend, on, especially on YouTube but in other audio forms, it was really trendy to, to take lyrics from people, or not lyrics, I'm sorry, like clips of people talking and then put the auto-tune on it and put it into a mixed song. A lot of different reasons for doing that, sports, newsmakers, clips from wherever. And somebody took a bunch of quote, uh, comments from T.O. and Ocho Cinco. Chad Johnson was his original name when they were both on the Bengals. And this is what it sounded like. How in the world are you going to stop Ocho Cinco? How in the world are you going to stop T.O.? And of course, Terrell Owens was always saying, get your popcorn ready. He said it once, get your popcorn ready, because it's going to be a show. And then just like a little kid, they get carried away and say it over and over again. And he, it kind of became his thing, but it sure was pretty funny. And um, T.O. came into the league in 1997, I guess. He was drafted in 97. I believe it was that season that he played. So he would have been drafted in April of 97. So yeah, he would have played uh, if he started, which I think he did because Jerry Rice was injured on the on the 49ers and Jerry Rice being the greatest uh, wide receiver of all time and he filled in while Jerry was hurt and made these incredible catches against the Packers. And I was this leftover hungover, if you will, 49ers fan from being a kid watching Joe Montana and I was still loving to watch Steve Young and then Tia oh my god Terrell Owens and he's taking over for Jerry Rice because he's kind of passing the torch thing and that's before the Titans got to town and since he was a mock of course I'm I'm gonna love the guy and really as a kid going to McKenzie Arena then was just the roundhouse and what was Chamberlain Field is where they played football went to games Every Saturday that they were home, and and not every basketball game, but my dad took me to a bunch of ball games, and I'm really thankful for that. Lookouts, Mox basketball, Mox football, and I remember seeing Terrell Owens playing basketball. He was the sixth man. Um, you know, he didn't start, might have occasionally, but he wasn't usually a starter. He would be the first guy off the bench. That's what they call the sixth man or the most valuable uh, bench member. And that was in the time when Bo Jackson. And Brian Jordan on a lesser scale. And why am I leaving? Oh, yeah, of course, Deion Sanders, two sport players. I mean, it's just not a thing anymore. It never will be. And that time, that was the, that was the thing. And I was like, man, that, that's the guy that plays football, too. I knew him as the basketball player because the basketball team was good back then. The Mox football team was dreck. And um, and so then he got into the league and and uh, and just watched him played for so many different teams because he couldn't get along with anybody and he was a jerk not in just in a, an annoying way I mean the guy stayed out of trouble he didn't have he never did drugs I don't think he drinks I don't I think he's made that very clear he's never been an uh, alcohol consumer never had any drugs. Uh, I don't think he has a bunch of children all over the place out of wedlock. He might have a couple, but that was never really a thing either. Wasn't an overly over-the-top womanizer. It doesn't appear. He just was, it was almost like he's that tortured artist, that tortured soul that he just always wanted to prove everybody wrong. And if you even slighted him in the slightest, he would he would go out of his way to shove it down your throat even more. And it sounds like that was what he was doing his whole life. I mean, you know, he had to end up at UTC, an awful school, awful football school at the time, and become who he was and then become a star. And he just could never be happy enough with his success. And then he he really revolutionized the way that the wide receiver position or anybody, for that matter, eventually on the field would celebrate end zone uh, touchdowns. Now, he didn't he didn't create it. It was started in the 80s, the icky shuffle. You know, whoever else I can't remember from that time frame, that was already a thing. He took it to a level of show business. 
And he turned that into his calling card for a while. And some of it was awesome. Grabbing the pom-poms. Of course, the, the magic, the Sharpie in his pocket and signs the, auto, the the football and gives it to the fan. The grabbing the popcorn and shoving it in his, in his mask because he's with the Cowboys. Uh, disrespecting the Cowboys on the star. I'm um, All these different things that if you're a fan, you already know. But it's just fun to think back. And, and so there's a lot of talk that he is not going to be at his induction, at the induction ceremony in Canton, right? Canton, Ohio, on Saturday, because he won't say it, but all the speculation is, is that because he wasn't draft or he wasn't, excuse me, he wasn't a first ballot Hall of Famer, which the numbers show that he is. He should have been. But writers sometimes leave people off in all sports, especially baseball. But in all sports, if there's something about you they don't like, they won't vote for you. And he had just enough shy that he wasn't a first ballot Hall of Famer. That's a speculation, which some of these sound clips we'll talk about here. This is NFL Live. Uh, former player, can't remember his name, I didn't write it down, talking to the host about whether this is a bad look for T.O. Uh, obviously a huge day in T.O.'s life, and this is the way he's choosing to spend it. But part of this story is still the way he's choosing not to spend it. Damien, I want to start with you. Th this decision that T.O. has made to skip Canton and then to have a, a speech on the same day as everybody else's speech in Canton, now, what do you make of that? Well, I mean, listen, it's, it's unusual. It's different. Like you said, no living inductee has ever done this before. But, I mean, we're talking about T.O. here. <laughs> T.O. is, he loves him some T.O. And you know what? To me, I'm okay with that because... T.O. has earned that right. He's earned the right to do it his way. That's the way he's played the game of football. He's always played the game of football his way, whether it's the San Francisco 49ers, the Dallas Cowboys, the Philadelphia Eagles. So I know a lot of people are upset about it because it, it, it breaks tradition and people think it takes away from, you know, takes away from the other guys being inducted. But, man, when you put that type of work in throughout your career, People don't understand how much work that man had to put in to achieve the greatness that he had to achieve to be inducted into the Hall of Fame. So who am I or anyone else here or wherever to try to dictate the T.O. where he should be having his induction into the Hall of Fame? I couldn't agree more. And the main reason is, is selfishly, I just want him here at Chattanooga because I want to go. It's free to uh, all of, to anybody, to the public. 3.17, 3 p.m., 3.17 p.m., uh, on Saturday, the 4th of August, at the UTC McKenzie Arena is where the induction ceremony will be, or his his speech will be anyway. You know all the media outlets will be here. There's a rumor going around on social media that Snoop Dogg's going to be here. Um, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be a show. Get your popcorn ready. But So in kind of, I don't know, reaction to T.O., the, the NFL ceremony says they're not even going to mention him. They're not even going to mention his name. At the ceremony on Saturday, Dan Patrick has something to say about that. Terrell Owens has his reasons for not showing up. And part of that is the Pro Football Hall of Fame voters, that they didn't put him in. And maybe this is his way of saying, you know what, I'm not going to show up. You know, you put me in, I'm not showing up because you didn't put me in sooner. Maybe. I don't know. We haven't heard from Terrell Owens. But the Pro Football Hall of Fame can't be petty about this. He's a, he's a Hall of Famer who got elected, who chose not to show up. It, it feels like you're holding him accountable for something that has nothing to do with his election. He doesn't want to show up. Okay. You know, t I'm not surprised that Terrell Owens would take this route and make it about him. That's Terrell Owens being Terrell Owens. Would I like to see him there being honored? Yes, I would. Would I think it would be an interesting ceremony, even more interesting? Absolutely. But when you say that, you know, we're, we're not even acknowledging you, I think that that's wrong. Yeah, I think I do too, but I don't really care about that all much as much. Again, selfishly, I want him here in town. Eric Dickerson, running back for the Rams, is the only one that team that pops out of my head immediately, a Hall of Famer and constantly on the Talking Head shows, says he's friends with T.O. and talked to him the other day, and this is the most confirmation we could find of why it is he's actually not going to the ceremony because T.O. just won't say out loud. You know what? I'll say this. I've talked to T.O. about this. You know, T.O. and I. We're friends. I talked to him last week about it. And I told him my opinion. I said, it's my opinion that he should go. And you know what? But Tio's a grown man. You know, either way, I'm going to support my friend either way. Right. You know, I feel like that uh, this problem was started really by the sports writers. Mm -hmm. It really was. 
T.O., no doubt, was the first ballot Hall of Famer. I mean, it's no doubt he was. Mm-hmm. I mean, and, and I, I asked him this question. I said, don't lie to me. I said, if you'd have been a first ballot, would you have win? Yeah, I'd have win. I said, so what, it doesn't really make a difference. So I guess that's as much confirmation as you're going to get. I wanted to go through and get a bunch of clips from T.O. in interviews over the years and just put some of that crazy stuff he puts out there, but... The amount of audio to go through was just was driving me nuts. So I just went, I just grabbed one because we all remember this one too. Not long after basically insinuating that his quarterback was gay, especially back in the 90s when, and especially in the sports world, calling someone gay was a major insult. Uh, Jeff Garcia, a few days later, weeks later, or maybe he was in a little way, a ways off, I don't remember. They mentioned something, the team collapsed, and, and, and then he starts crying. In an interview, and it's like, what the hell is going on here? You guys can point the finger at him. You you can talk about the vacation, and if you do that, it's really unfair. It's really unfair. It's my team. It's my quarterback. And if you guys do that, man, it's unfair. We lost as a team. We lost as a team, man. He has thrown countless uh, players he's played with under the bus just in a, in small jabs, you know, and like not these major uh, headline grabbing, disgusting things. He's just he's just him. I believe he's bipolar. I think he's uh, certainly uh, socially awkward, relationally awkward. There is a mental illness in there of some kind. But the guy was just incredible. But not everybody thinks so. On the way out of this segment, and I'll get into what I'm going to vote for here in just a minute as we wrap up today's show. This is just a montage of people who loved him, people who hated him. You guys can point the finger. Yep, wrong one. When it comes to the Hollywood aspect, the pizzazz of the end zone celebrations, T.O. has no peer. The man is not a winner. He is just an attention whore. He is a disgusting example of pro football at its very worst. I like it when they talk dirty to me. Anyway, you slice it. That guy's a Hall of Famer. I'm in a league of my own. They ain't ready for me. It's all orchestrated and all about T.O. Joyless exercise and self-promotion. They still know to hate me. It's showtime. All I want to know if you got your popcorn ready. It's like being in the movies. Do you got your popcorn ready? Get your popcorn, you know, right before you go in. So I was just asking, like, hey, Stu, you got your popcorn ready? Because it's going to be a show today. Oh, I think he's a lunatic. I, I would prefer he didn't do any of that stuff because I think there are situations where it winds up hurting you. I can't stand myself. T.O. looks for acceptance. The insecurity of T.O., people accept him more when he goes through all that nonsense in the end zone. Look, you got to find ways to pump yourself up. you got to find ways to dangle a carrot to keep yourself going in this game. This is what made T.O. a great player. He thought long and hard about what he would do in an end zone celebration, which meant he thought long and hard about being in the end zone. Got to give T.O. his props. Wildly annoying, totally petulant, but makes great end zone celebrations. I know you don't want me to shine, but I'm going to shine anyway, because I love me, I'm me. Believe it. I love me some me, believe it. And I love that comment from one of those writers, sports writers in that montage that says, yeah, he had to put a lot of thought into his celebrations, but that means he had to put a lot of thought at getting in the damn end zone, and he did it all the time. Love the guy, cannot wait to be at the ceremony or the you know the, the speech this, um, this Saturday, August 4th. So that puts Pearl Jam in the Hall of Fame for me last year, Chipper in the Hall of Fame, Chipper Jones in the Hall of Fame for me a, a week ago. And uh, and now T.O. Wasn't my favorite player of all time in the NFL. That's Steve McNair. But he was up there. He was top three. And I'll uh, be down there at McKenzie Arena. All right, I'm going to get out here. I know we got the show dragging a little bit today. I uh, just thought that first segment needed some extra attention. And uh, I, I wouldn't have done it if I didn't think you would agree. One more quick go around. Who I voted for or I'm going to vote for on the second. And why this Coca-Cola that I'm drinking means something. Coming up next. West, if re-elected, would you increase the frequency of garbage pickup?
Well, citizen, that's an excellent question, and I thank you for it. I think it's great we live in a town where you can ask questions. Because without questions, we just have answers. And an answer without a question is a statement. Oh, I like him. He looks me in the eye. <laughs> I'd like to have a beer with him. I'm voting for him. I don't understand these people. He didn't even say anything, and they're eating it up. Lois, undecided voters are the biggest idiots on the planet. Try giving short, simple answers. Sir, your question, please. Mrs. Griffin, what do you plan to do about crime in our city? A lot. <laughs> because that's what Jesus wants. 9-11 was bad. I agree with that. God, I can't believe how easy this is. Your choice. Welcome back into the show. I want to be elected from Alice Cooper. Make this short and sweet and get out of here shortly. This is normally a Wednesday download. This week it is a Thursday download due to a couple of different reasons. And I'm glad that it ended up being that way because all that CFC and Chattanooga Pro soccer thing was really starting to build up steam on wednesday and was able to grab a lot of that and have a good long segment about it uh here on thursday and today is election day so if you're listening on the second you've got until eight o'clock at least from what i can tell from my polling uh times it depends on where you're at as to what the time frame is if you're not registered this go around that's cool but uh i would i would or not voting at all that's that's also cool that there's not a a ton on this this ballot go around with mostly primaries and a lot of primaries that are going to act as basically the de facto general election. But I would encourage you to just keep it in mind. <laughs> keep it in mind is something to do more often. I'm not going to act like I'm the guy that's always done it right. I, I love, I've worked with people over the years. Oh, I've always voted. I've always, you, you're a damn liar. I've sat there and watched you not vote uh, over the years. Don't tell me you're all of a sudden been part of the, you know, the solution when you've been just as much a part of the problem as anybody else. I have voted in a handful of elections in my life and I am voted, not voted in a handful of elections in my life, and I'm going to vote for this one. But this is an open primary, and so I was trying to decide what I wanted to do. Did I want to get the Republican ballot because I I think the governor is a big deal, but I also think that the senator is a big deal. Our United States senator is a big deal. So where do I put the emphasis? And I was going to do a little bit more research on this, but the CFC thing and the soccer conversation, kind of, uh, it kind of consumed me over the last couple of days. What's more important, that I get a governor that I think is best for Tennessee or is it more important that I get a United States senator, which I think is best for the potential uh, shifting of the power of Congress? I don't know, right? I, in, in years gone by, which is conventional wisdom, I would have said that I think that who the governor is is more important than who one of our United States senators is. Now, with the political toxicity that we have out there now, I'm not certain it might be more important to me to where the balance of Congress is. And so if I go the Republican ballot, I would vote for Bill Lee. I think he's run the best campaign. I think he's the most quality human being on this list. No attack ads uh, seems to have a good uh, history of, of background of business. And uh, that's who I would vote for. And um, and then who I vote for after that wouldn't be all that important because it'd be a bunch of people who wouldn't win. So do I want to go governor? And I think the answer is no. So I'm going to get the Democratic ballot. Didn't mean to crumple that up. I actually still have some information on that I need. I'm going to get the Democratic ballot because I think voting for Phil Bredesen as our next United States senator is more important. Even though he's probably going to win that primary anyway, I'm still going to go that route. Uh, governor, I guess Carl Dean, but it doesn't matter because one of those Republicans, Diane Black or Randy Boyd, uh, Beth Harwell, uh, Bill Lee, one of them's going to win. I would, I don't know. I don't know how to handicap that one. So uh, then for Senator Phil Bredesen, and then I don't have much more to go for after that. Um, in the uh, United States House, I would go with, I'm only just putting over, uh, Danielle Mitchell. Of course, Danielle Mitchell. She's not going to win. Chuck's already got this one in, in the bag. My boy Joda, vote for him for the uh, 30th District of the State House. I would write in County Commission District 8 because that's that's over with. Um, the primary back in April was the de facto general election for asshole Tim Boyd. 
he is going to win anyway. So I'd write in, who should I put? Should I put my name? Should I put your name? Whose name should I put for County Commission District 8? And that is just about it. There's not much more than I, uh, let's see, Mayor uh, Aloise Brown is a Democratic nominee. I mean, Jim Coppinger is a fine mayor. I mean, I, I don't really care who the mayor is, but I'd still probably vote uh, Aloise just because, I don't know, just because. Uh, State Executive Committee uh, committee woman, I would write in on that one. And who else? Trustee Bill Hollander, uh, he's been fine. And I like Jim Ham- uh, Jim Hammond as our sheriff. I would vote for Jim Hammond, and he is technically a Republican. Not that I think it should matter for a damn second what political party your sheriff is. I think that's stupid. But, all right, that's pretty much it. Putting the wraps on the show. I appreciate you guys finding the show. And so to go all the way back to the beginning, one of the reasons I didn't get around to um, to doing the podcast in time is because I need two days to do it. I need a prep day, and then I need a record day. And Monday when I got back from my long weekend in Nashville, I was so damn hungover, which happens a lot on a Monday, so it's not like that's unusual. It just, it didn't go well. It didn't go well at all. And so I didn't get any work done. And so then Tuesday basically became the de facto prep day. And I can do it all in once, but it really works better if I have to. And so I didn't drink on Monday, and then I didn't drink on Tuesday. And I said, you know what, I'm just going to, I'm just, I'm not going to drink on Tuesday either. And now I'm getting an uncharted territory for me for uh, uh abstaining from alcohol and so then into wednesday today i am now about to head let's see the 72nd hour without a drink since monday now monday i'm too hung over to have a drink so that barely counts as doing anything tuesday was still a little groggy i can sleep some of this off maybe today's been a little bit different story i am not groggy i am wide awake um coca-cola actually has been a nice little placebo over here to sip on a little bit of sugar to kind of keep uh keep my attention span uh to where it needs to be so i won't drink again tonight and i won't drink again until i go to work tomorrow that so that's going to put me at 84 hours then on third that'll be thursday election day on the second or the day that this this podcast is released and then i will go seven more hours minimum after that after work which will get me to 93 hours by Thursday night. I have not gone 93 hours without a drink in my adult life. And I certainly haven't done even half that in the last six, seven, eight years. Why am I doing this? I don't have a perfect exact answer for you. I just wanted to see how long I could go. It's a little bit of a struggle. I'm not quitting drinking. I'll be drinking probably by Thursday night, by Friday for sure. And this weekend I'll have some drinks, no doubt. But uh, so that's why the Coca-Cola swigs have helped and why that meant something. So just thought I'd put that out there because I've thought of something I need to do for a long time. And there you go. That's it. There's nothing more emotional or dramatic uh, that needs to be brought into that. So we'll stop right there. Thank you so much for finding the show. Do it again next Wednesday. I do plan on going into next Wednesday. I've got some audio already pulled. Going to look at the state of social media, see where they all are. As far as rankings on who's, I mean, we know we can guess where most of them are. Just if you wanted to say, hey, who's one through five, you can probably guess that. But look at the numbers and then look at the cyber attacks and the vulnerability of all these social medias. Bring in a few voices from around the uh, the globe, from the talking heads, and really look at the threat that is the, the cyber terrorist attack uh, networks that are being built all around the world, but most more specifically in Russia. And this ain't about no damn meddling in an election. This ain't about the president. This isn't about any of that. This is about real-world cyber terrorists that are going to take us out badly one of these days. And we just don't know how yet. Building a bomb and flying planes into buildings ain't the thing that cuts it anymore. The meltdown of our cyber world is. And uh, that'll be a big segment I do probably uh, most likely next week because a lot of that's already put together. So there you go. A week-long tease. Hopefully I'll pay it off coming up the second week of August. Y'all have a great one. See you later. Bye.